You are listening to Punk Theology. I'm your host, Russ Shaw. The question is raised, can men have authentic conversations about deeper stuff? Especially a group of men, right? Can men actually talk about things that are deeper than sports, technology, the weather, uh, politics? This is part two of a conversation that I titled Intro Them Punks. Five friends of mine and I get together and kind of introduce ourselves. And hopefully with the same raw, honest, authentic energy as punk rock would be as we discuss punk theology. You are listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. Punktheology.com dot net dot info dot org it's all there Interpreting the Bible. It's like the art and science yeah. of biblical interpretation. Yeah. It's not a way. It's the study of the way. <laughs> yeah. This, <laughs> so there are many hermeneutics that are applied to yes. the Bible. Depending on your tradition, you adopt the one that's been taught to you by whoever's telling you what to believe. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, my daughter and I had this discussion on uh, Rollins. Peter Rollins says that we, he says, you do not see the light, the light enables you to see. And I told her, I said, so what I'm understanding is that I forever have viewed God through my life. And that if I aligned all my ducks in a row, then I would understand God as opposed to viewing God or viewing life through God. So I'm getting what, what uh, Chuck was saying is understanding God's love. Brendan Manning says, God loves you as you are, not as you should be, because none of us are where we should be. And for me, that's been the freedom of realizing all this shit I've dealt with my entire <coughs> life, it doesn't just dis, um, associate me from God. God's right there with me. And I've limited God. I've viewed life. I've viewed God through my life. So when my shit hits the fan, <clears throat> then I must not have done something right. I must not have spent enough time reading the Bible. I must not have spent enough time praying as opposed to viewing life through God and saying, He loves me. Yeah. And He loves me in the midst, as I posted, my 2 a.m. indiscretion. He loves me with all my bruises, all my scabs, all my wounds, all my shit. He still loves me. And that, for me, is my deconstruction process. And my, my, my youngest told me, she goes, Dad, I love that. Because she, fortunately, I've kind of come to this point, both of my kids never grew, my kids never, I have two daughters, they never grew up in a youth group. That's good. And I'm actually really glad they didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they are now forming their own beliefs. And my daughter, my youngest, is really struggling with this aspect. Does God love me? Regardless of the shit I've done? Yes, honey, yes, he does. Ragamuffin gospel. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the problem I have with that, though, is, okay, so I have a God that loves me unconditionally. Then why did I go through all the shit that I've gone through? Why was I put through X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. What, you know, yeah, dude, I went, oh, I, I've unpacked that so many times. I've, un, I've done that 100 miles an hour driving down the freeway, thinking about that and, and looking at the Jersey barrier, thinking that that might be a good idea. Um, so, yeah, you know, I feel you with that. It's... I think the mystery uh, um, unfolding for me, because I'm I'm probably the the most opposite of an atheist, in the fact that I believe that I was met by that 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 love, whatever that is out there, um, it met me, 
Yeah. It met me in that place. I can't explain it, and I don't have a schematic for you, and I don't have a bunch of Bible verses nope. that I can put out <laughs> to tell everyone. But it, it is, that's weird. What's, I guess that's faith, right? Well, this is where I, I kind of I feel like I intersect with, faith with, with you yeah. and with Arthur yeah, because yeah, I was going to bring up the same point. Because for me, Brennan Manning was the star of my deconstruction. Mm-hmm. I love Brennan Manning. Yes. I, I say that I was a Calvinist so long. When I read Brendan Manning, I'd forgotten God loved me, and Manning yes. was 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 the start of that kind of shift. But then there, there there's another part of my brain though that tries to look at the way you make sense of it, Russ, and and there's just this thing in me that says yes, but this God thing just could be a coping mechanism or a pacifier, and I'm willing to go there, and that's maybe some of the punk theology like going yeah. there, like whoa, we're really going to go there. I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know. But I, there's something in me that allows for that possibility that God is there to sort of the God of the gaps, like fill in those things that don't make sense. The whys, well, because God and love and the cross and identifying with that story, well, that, that helps is, that helps me cope as a human being. And maybe that's okay. I don't know. But that's where I kind of intersect with, like, see where Arthur might be and where you are. You know, what, I like, yeah. what I like best about having Arthur and Russ in the group is that they have totally opposite stories. <laughs> and that Arthur, very conservative, Christian upbringing, and got to one point in his life, as well as I understand it, that he put his cards on the table and said, okay, I'm going to do what God, I believe God's telling me to do, and God totally screwed him over. Yeah. And that, oh, and that, and that, it, it, turned into, it turned into a nightmare, and Arthur was c- completely abandoned and tried for years, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And Russ comes from the other side, and that everything was totally right. So everything was totally <laughs> fucked up, yeah. and, then, and this just kind of happened out of nowhere. Yeah. And 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 you guys both have legitimate reasons to believe what you believe. Yeah, that is interesting. And it's huh? so weird that it's... So Calvinism must be right. Like, Russ was chosen, and I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's one place to reprobate. Oh, but, but dude, that's, that's no. the thing about what Steve said. What Steve said was beautiful about God loving you and interpreting God through your life, but when your life experience is yes. Job-level shit, what do you learn about God? Right. You learn, uh, I don't want a fucking part of that. Right. Uh, yeah. When I got to that uh, point, I was, seriously, as I was at that edge, I said, okay, fuck it. And then... I understood yeah. that love, and and I, I still struggle with it. But that is the that's what I'm trying to change now is looking through God, and I don't know why you had to go through that shit. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We will know, right? And I don't think we're gonna. No, I mean, yeah, well, no, actually, no. I'd say the goal of this group is to not. <laughs> We yeah, don't know. Come to an easy answer on it. Yeah, we don't. There's so another guy. Leave it up in the air and say, yeah, that fucking sucks. And that's bullshit. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense according to what you choose your worldview to be. And okay. Well, and, you know, like, but at least you have people to share it with. At least you're being honest. dirt or something. Right, right. No, no, you're fine. It, the, and I think it's just this: the world thinking of we're limited to our knowledge. We're limited to the... We don't know what God knows. Um we may want to or think that we do um, and so there may never be an answer yeah. you know it's but I think that's when you get into um, there's a guy uh, a guy I had a, a great opportunity to interview named Cash Peters who wrote a best selling book that was in the UK called A Little Book on Believing and in that book he talks about not a Christian guy by the way um, but a book about spirituality. He grew up Christian Science. But one of the things he, he mentioned in there was talking about the difference between faith with a little f and faith with a big f. And I think faith with a little f has to explain things away and have an answer for everything. Faith with a big f is willing to embrace that mystery and move forward anyway. And also acknowledge that there's beauty and there's truth in the world, right? Despite all of the things that we, we don't we don't know and we can't figure out. I think a good, uh, another good definition of, of, I don't know, theology of God or understanding God um, is like trying to explain the internet to your dog, I think is what people are trying to. Sure. Your dog's not going to understand the internet. <laughs> You're not going to understand God. And what if that's okay? Yeah. What if that will change your heart over time? But yeah, the part of this is, uh, it's an exercise in what my, gen, uh, to, to drop another name, is dro- name dropping isn't very punk, is it? <laughs> my, my friend Jim Henderson uh, 
is doing a work uh, called Three Practice Groups, and one of the things he talks about is staying in the room. I'm going to practice staying in the room with difference. And that's kind of what we've been doing with the herfs over the years, too, is we can all come together. But the weird, the weird thing about us is that we stick and we keep coming. Or <laughs> some people maybe come in and out and go. Yeah, we're, we're an incredibly diverse group. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, but thought we can, I thought it was special. Apart from our sex and color. Thanks for Apart from our gender and color, we're that. very diverse. Well, yeah, but I mean, this her, I mean, this this thing is different. Well, no, well, 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 I'm just saying that. Historically, yeah. though, there was a larger group that was just like kind of broader and more inclusive. Yeah. And then there was kind Tim of... Tim Queering was a pastor at Mars Hill. Yeah. And he started the whole smoking thing at Ballard I think, well, back in the day. So yeah. I started a poker thing. You started and a then, poker thing. And then a poker thing evolved into poker and cigars. Yeah. And then the poker disappeared. So that's kind of... We did a transition where it was just people showing up and playing poker and just talking. And then we transitioned away from doing poker, but people were just still showing up. And talking like we were playing poker about bullshit, uh, which is great and fun, uh, but then out of that, it kind of condensed into a group of people that didn't want to just talk about bullshit. Right. Uh, <laughs> talk about uh, interesting bullshit. All right. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's kind of where where this yeah turned into. What does herf mean? It just means a bunch it's like of a guys. fraternity, isn't it's it? It's a fraternity of yeah, smoking. It's like the 19th century, just, just guys smoking together. cigars and drinking yeah. whiskey. Drinking whiskey, smoking cigars, <laughs> basically. It's a, oh, it's a so fraternity of... Uh, <laughs> wine is fine, too. <laughs> drinking yeah. alcohol. I, was, I, would, I had on the tip of my tongue a, a negative religious word for that, but I, and I lost it. <laughs> oh, Drunkards and thieves. I don't know. Disciples. <laughs> <laughs> Disciples. There you go. So, anyway, what were you going to say? But that's where Jesus would be. Because right. I interpreted it now. That was not my interpretation growing up. That was not Jesus. Jesus would not be here. And because I'm here, then Jesus isn't here. So you don't want to be here because if Jesus comes back, you're not going to be here. You don't want to be here. Yeah. Well, that's bullshit. And that's the point I got was at that point when I, okay, that. You <laughs> have a lot of energy on that. <laughs> that. Anyway, that. That point of saying, okay. <laughs> God doesn't want you to say fuck it anymore. <laughs> no. Pretty soon there's going to be lightning. Yeah. And well, there, there has been lightning. I know. Great. Yeah, you're in the middle of a thunderstorm. Because I think but, yeah. that's what, if, if guys are honest, and that's my heart, is if guys are honest, they can explain, they can put out on the table, I don't believe that shit anymore. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Because I can't convince you to believe that shit. <clears throat> All I can do is believe my what what or God is meeting me is changed everything. And I my my behaviors changed only because of, of of realizing that I didn't need to change for God to love me, that God loved me in spite of it. And then now that's my behavior change. Uh, my my both my daughters would tell me I was a very angry man. And both of them would say, Dad, we were so afraid of when you came home from work because we did not know what mood you would be in. My oldest has mentioned when I would come home from work, she'd hear the garage door open, she would get sick to her stomach for me coming in because she didn't know what I would do, what, what mood I was going to be in. She was afraid that if she hadn't done this or that or the other thing, and it didn't measure up to what I expected. And I have apologized in tears to both of them. I am so sorry. And as, as well as my wife. And my wife is still trying to get her head around the fact that I'm not who I was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, like Arthur was saying, I think anyone who's been married for an extended period of time would say that you're different people. And I think at marriage... I, I had a, a passenger ask that. I was bringing up my wife in a conversation, and she says, well, how long have you been married? And I said, uh, 20, 28 years now, wow. uh, in, in March 31st. And we got married young, too. But she said, how do you do it? How did you do it? You know, She's like, I've been divorced a few times, and, and the guy I'm with now isn't so great. <laughs> and and I, said, I said, because we've been able to handle the different people that we've been over the years and move through that. And stay in, in a relationship. 
this you know while the, the relationships blew up mm-hmm. over the years or deconstructed. Where I go with it is I think there's a lot of complicated reasons why people lose faith, keep faith, hold it tightly, hold it loosely. We're complicated creatures, mm-hmm. I mean, psychologically. Um, you know, I, I see reoccurring themes as I engage this kind of conversations. I mean, a lot of it is people, you just believe it. I mean, you just do. You just have faith. You just believe it. Right. And it whether or not you even want to. Uh, and, you know, you could point to, uh, is, is that like a psychological conditioning? Uh, crutch, emotional crutch. Or an emotional crutch, or is it like the product of childhood indoctrination? Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of complicated reasons why someone might believe. Um, I, I feel like I got to a place where, um, I mean, some, t- some days I, I believe more than others. Yeah. Uh, some days I, I want to believe more than others, but it's more like there's there's this thing in me. I, I, I've heard Rob Bell talk about it. Like there's this hum in me is the way he describes it. Like there's this, and I think that's another interesting conversation. You guys talk about being engineers, or you know, or some people more prone to it or more sensitive to it than others. Maybe people that are more analytical, uh, you know, more more engaged with like empirical evidence versus feelings or sensory perception, are they less likely to quote believe or those that are more sensitive uh, to the world around them, higher emotional intelligence, whatever are they more likely to believe that's an interesting conversation. I think there's all kinds of variables for me. It's just that, yeah, there's that thing in me that just believes it. And it, and I'm intellectually honest enough to, to acknowledge that there, it has a Jesus-y, flavor to it because of the time and place in which I was born and who my parents were. And if I was brought up in, you know, Bombay, I'd probably be a, I don't know, a, a Hindu well, or a Sikh or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, seriously, though, you have to, get, you have to acknowledge that uh-huh. on some level and, and just be okay with it even. Yeah. Like, okay, so yeah. th- this is the time and place I was born and this is what I inherited and, and God has a Jesus flavor vibe to me because of the time and place in which I was born and just and just making peace with that on some level you know that, yeah. that that's okay yeah. that's your human experience I really like the story of God putting on flesh and walking around with us the Jesus there's story a, is compelling there's a, sure, there's a yeah. punk uh, song by Social Distortion called um, when you're down here with the rest of us mm-hmm. and there's something about that resonates with my soul that, mm-hmm. that not only is, is life there's a shit ton of suffering, but that God would be in it with us. That God would put on would, would put on a body. I think Naughty Bolts whoever said that the body is so incredibly spiritual and dead. Oh yeah, that God wanted one. <laughs> there's that thing about I like that story. Incarnation. I think that's why I would consider myself a, a Christian today to use that word. A Jesus follower. I don't really like the word. Christian. I wholeheartedly agree. The story's beautiful to me, and it resonates with me too. That incarnational story, uh, the cross, Jesus walking. On God incarnate in flesh, drinking meals with his friends. That's that's beautiful to me. But I also will acknowledge, but that could be a cultural conditioning as well. I, I don't know. There's no proof. There's no proof, right? There is a lot of proof, but it's not concrete and you can't, you know, nail it down. And, and isn't that faith? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's faith right yeah. there. But going back to what Arthur said about, uh, about Calvinism and predestination, I remember I was... Uh, I was. I went to. I, I laugh. It's. It's really sad. I was. I went to a, a party the night before. I didn't have any money, and my grandma would. I would mow her lawn and get like twenty bucks. And she lived uh, in Ballard, and so she one time made me go to church with her after I mowed the lawn because some Calvinist guy was coming in to speak. Young Calvinist dude, and he was unpacking predestination. And the night before, I had done coke, meth. Um, I slept with two different girls, not at the same time. But I you had did all this. In I, had, <laughs> yeah, I had sex with these two girls. It was about you know. I left that party and drove into the city and, and fell asleep in my car, and then went to my grandma's house to bore. And then she takes me to this thing to hear this guy preach on on predestination, and I sit sat there and I had a really dark aha moment where I went. Oh, like I was never, that's why I can't get right, you know? Like I was never in in the first place. <laughs> You're not one of the It was like, you know, it was, it was, first it was really sad and, and crushing at first, but maybe that was the first 
time my, my faith started to be deconstructed as a teenager sitting there going, whoever's God, that, that has is this guy's God, I'm in that guy's God's hell. Like he's created this God for himself. And my grandma may believe in the God that this guy is, is touting and speaking on. Um, but I'm in that God's hell. And that it was sort of eerily refreshing <laughs> to walk away well, from that, that, that with that sad, sick, and I, and I and I went and binged after that. I was, I, I I'm I, the fact that I'm alive is part of. <laughs> I have faith with a with an F of some sort. Anyway, yeah, I think every religion has, or you know, even things without religion have some aspect of fate to them. The idea of fate, and it's always the irony of that, of what you're talking about is the irony of the untouchable caste. Hinduism, right? And that they're treated like shit, but because they know their shit, they can do whatever the fuck they want. They're the most free. They have no <laughs> expectation. They can, like, you know, I, there is no bottom, right? right? I can do whatever the hell I want. And, I, and and I'm just stuck in this, and it's nothing that I did. I was just born with it, so so, you know, I don't have to try. I don't right. have to live up to any yeah. standards. Maybe in the next I'll just life. do whatever the hell I want to do, <laughs> which is an odd sort of freedom that pretty much everybody else in that system doesn't have. Yeah, and I think that's part of my, my story of faith, too, is that I did what I wanted to do, and I would say to a certain degree I do today. I don't, I don't do things because I think they're right or wrong, necessarily. I do things because I want to be free. Yeah. I just want to live. I just want to be alive and free and, and, and live my life this way. Not because I should or ought to. I don't give a rat's fucking. Well, some people play that game though. Like, if it weren't for the grace of God, I would be, you know, insert whatever. Right. When I think the truth is, for most people, no, your life is your life. You'd probably be largely the same. Yeah. It's such a terrible straw man argument. Yeah. People always, uh, in my very conservative versions that I grew up with of Christianity, said, you know, without without the moral absolutes of the Bible. You would just be a hedonist, and I'm right. like, well, I'm without him now. And the reality of all I have to do is acknowledge that you're a person, and I can respect you as a, as a being that deserves to be treated kindly. Yeah, and I can just simply decide that that's how I want to be. Yeah. I don't need a God telling me to be that way. I can just treat people. And frankly, I do better things now than I did when I had faith, because I am not belabored by the judgmentalism of my theological views prior. Right. I think it's, you know, like so many things in this. By the way, I'm going to be the devil's advocate in a lot of this. <laughs> that seems to be my role in uh, Oscar. Well, what do you think? <laughs> Somebody makes a point and I try and throw it But what do you really it. think, though? Um, so, yeah. like, that's true for so many people, but I think there's a lot of people that benefit from growing up in a moralistic society. And the, and the problems is the two extremes fighting against each other. That's really condescending. <laughs> uh, I, I get to play your game, too, because I'm also good at it. <laughs> I'm devil's advocate. Yeah, but you're basically I, saying, like, those people need it, and it's good for society? I wouldn't even say it's so far as good as for society. It might be good for them. Right. But here's and, an interesting and I'm not an atheist, that's not, that's, but that's not very respectful okay. of their autonomy as a person and right. their, their capability of, of making moral judgments on their own. But they, maybe they, they need can. a framework of view. Maybe maybe in a realistic stamp maybe okay, so I'll pull you away from your ideal. Well maybe yeah, that, if, maybe if that's fetal alcohol syndrome, you don't. Okay. So but but maybe, maybe that's maturity. That's, but, but faith isn't gonna give a kid with fetal alcohol syndrome that either. I'm not talking about faith, I'm talking about strict moral constructs. Uh, you know that within secular humanism, right? That's, okay. that's, that's what I'm more what I'm talking okay. about. Okay. Well, I'm not an it's anarchist. Is <laughs> 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 strong moral authoritarianism, um, which some people really struggle with and end up really fucked up because they bounce so hard off of it. Yeah. But some people, uh, if given freedom, would have just never stopped abusing it. Yeah, it's, it's why we can't free North Korea. <laughs> right, I mean, right, exactly. Donald like, Trump's well, going to try. You know, look at Iraq. Iraq's the same no. way, right? Like, like you can't go from this absolute moralist system to absolute freedom without yeah. there being some really serious consequences. Um, but some of those people, I don't know. So it's one of those things where there's so many variables and so many people that are so many so different, uh, and that's the downfall of democracy, right? Is that the majority gets to make all the decisions. 
Um, and then, and so when you're in that system, half, you know, usually, especially if it's a system like ours where 51% of the people are making the decisions, the other half of the population gets completely fucked over. Right. And, and, and that's the difficulty with nuance in society, is that, is that each person needs their own thing, but it's the randomness of where they were born. That person could be born into the, the system that was best for them, and they grow up and, and it really benefits them, or it could be a system that was terrible for them and they totally bounce off of it and fuck their life up. Um, you know, so basically what I'm saying... You got like the, the, big, the older brother and the, and the prodigal son. Right. Kind of basically what I'm saying is life isn't fair and everything's fucked up. I've had conversations with people and I said, so why didn't you do this? Why didn't you sleep around? Why didn't you do what you weren't supposed to do? And the response I get is... Because it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe that's that was one of those people that that clung on to hard moralism in order to get to a point where just a general fact of life. Uh, I mean, pragmatically, rationally speaking, it's not a good idea to slip <laughs> around with a bunch of people without protection, right? <laughs> Well, I was a Christian kid. I had more sex than a buddy of mine who wasn't. <laughs> you know, and for him, he it just wasn't right. I mean, there's certain moral right. constructs so, people grow up with. But you're a beautifully yeah. engaging person, John. True. They, I couldn't cry off the females, you know. But do they then, because it is a right, but then they have the thought, then are they encompassed by... Shame and guilt. I go. I see. That's. I think of it in the context of parenting, raising kids, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, my two oldest kids are approaching their teen years really quickly. I don't know if you guys ever read or read anything from uh, George Barna. It's been years since I've read anything from him. He's a he's a Christian guy. He's a soci type statistician. Mm-hmm. Researcher. Yeah. yeah he, he has some interesting stuff. And oftentimes, what he'll do is he'll is he'll poll or he'll have data between. Uh, people of faith or, or conservative Christians and non-Christians, and when you compare these behaviors, oftentimes they're they're really they're about the same, the same. Yeah. and if not, sometimes the Christians are a little bit worse. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think about that. If you think about, um, I don't know, teenage behavior, uh, you know, experimenting with drugs, alcohol, premarital sex, pornography. Okay, so Christian kids and non-Christian kids are going to, let's say, by and large, behave the same. And, and statistically, that's true. What's the difference between the two? Well, the difference between the two is the Christian kids grow up with guilt when they yes. do do it. And so I'm like, is it just better to raise to just raise them without it so they don't feel guilty when so they So what we have kind of is four categories. Breaking <laughs> <laughs> it down. Yeah, Breaking it down by the engineer over here. Thank you. The person that grows up in a moral uh, framework and, and does well and embraces it and it helps them. The person that grows up in a moral framework and bounces off of it and does terribly and it spirals their life downward. And then the opposite of that would be the person that grows up in a morally loose place and, and does well in it. And uh, and then the person that that uh, grows up in a morally loose place and takes complete advantage of it and can't handle it and lets their life spiral sure. out of control. So I think what we're, you know... And those things need to be compared differently. So the person that does well in a moral system and the person that does well in a liberal system have different strengths and different weaknesses. The person that grows up in the morally loose uh, scenario doesn't have guilt. They don't have shame. They don't have guilt. They don't have all this, you should have, you, you would have. They just, the way they live their life is the way they're supposed to live their life. And they just happen to choose a path that meshed well with society. They happen to choose vices that weren't socially degrading or cause them to be an outcast. They just meshed into the system well. Um, whereas the poorest person that grew up in a moral, uh, that embraced the moral um, society may have, from a pragmatic standpoint, their life, their shit together better, but they've got so much guilt and shame yeah. that they're yeah. that they're in constant inner turmoil. So from a solid job, married, kids, you know, on a... On a Medium-sized time frame, it's going well. But from an internal, they internal, yeah, internal, like yeah. what the fuck am I doing? Anxiety. And it's like, those guys that blow their brains out right, a lot exactly. of times. I mean, you We're look surprised. at the Ashley Madison thing that happened. There was a pastor uh, that I mean, this story just and it, this happens a lot. But I think that this story was was so public. Um, like here's a guy who believed that construct, and when. When his name showed up in the Ashley Madison thing uh, exposed to the world on the internet, um, he took the path of putting a bullet in his head rather than 
you know, or hung. I don't know how he did it. But anyway, the the point is that the whole identity is that's so important. Again, it's, we're getting back to maybe systems and institutions here. Like the system needs a sacrifice, and his God wasn't wasn't love. Mm-hmm. It was that thing, and that thing needed a sacrifice, and he was the sacrifice. And I work in outcomes as a as a database engineer that does a lot of data analytics. I'm, I analyze outcomes, and so one of the I love looking at data and and seeing the result of things like this. And so what you're talking about when you look at like the Bible Belt, one of the most fascinating pieces of data that come out is Pornhub. Mm-hmm. Produ- produces data now based on their viewing habits. Yeah, yeah. And the per capita Pornhub usage of the Bible Belt skyrockets compared to the liberal states. Right. So yeah, like like the, the the oppressive the the sexually oppressive conservative Christian populace of the United States that voted for Donald Trump are frantic Pornhub masturbators. <laughs> yeah. End of story. They're, they're also releasing things um, about search queries and stuff, and like <clears throat> something interesting. Uh, one, of the, one of the number one things that is being searched for is things like uh, stepmother, um, stepsister, and relational paradigms that are that are coming out of that as well. Like I think I just taboo went way fetishes. off topic. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not just taboo, but that's that's number one searches. Stepmom, stepsister, these kinds of things, mm-hmm. um, uh, and search queries, which is well, it just says something about the brokenness of, of male. <laughs> and so what I'm, I, I think, know. what I'm proposing, and that a lot of people tend, or especially around here, tends to bounce off of, is that there are people that grew up in the tight moralist system that are totally fine. Like, they've got the shame and guilt, but it doesn't eat them up. It's just kind of background noise. And they and I've met, I'm from North Idaho, I've met <laughs> many of them who I would love to believe are totally fucked up because it suits my, you know, political agenda. But in reality, they're, they're fine. They're making it work. They're fine. Um, so, I, so, and that's kind of where, I, uh, you know, I don't want to go too far off the edge. Right. It's acknowledging there are those people. How are you judging that, though? Because I, so I went to a super conservative Bible college, like on the spectrum of as conservative as it gets crazy. And uh-huh. I can tell stories about it. And there's a guy that I knew who married the president of the college's daughter. And he's fully in line with everything. I mean, the guy is like the model ultra conservative. Christian in dispensational heritage, really old school American stuff. But is that so? That guy's thriving by all those measurements. But the reality is, is that that I ask is, is that guy actually whole? Is he? It, it, did he found a place to grow in that niche? But is he actually the kind of person? That's whole and and a good part of society. And I would say, so my my gauge would be just doing this with them, and having intimate, long conversations, yeah. and and bouncing off some things with them. Um, and I don't want to have a conversation with him. <laughs> he was my RA. He was a jackass. Right. And that's so. It's easy to call to memory all the people that are terrible at it, and that's that other category, right? These are the people that that grew up in a moralist system well maybe that's even another category they grew up in a moralist system uh, have fully embraced it and they're fucking assholes and they're just terrible people and they, they're so eaten up with guilt and rules <coughs> that they that they suck at life what if he's not though what if it's not guilt what if it's pride right yeah. well, all that stuff yeah. right? it, it's like no I, I'm actually perfect I, I'm like as close to Jesus as there is and I would just bring up the point, so, you know, that there are these exceptions, these people that that have embraced the moral, this more strict moralism, and and make it work pretty damn well. Don't you think and those extremes, though, maybe. show the show that the that the model doesn't actually work? Are they the extremes, though? Are, is my example there the extreme? Maybe 
It's just the fact that the people that you meet that are so fucked up stand out in your mind so much more than the people that just kind of are mellow about it and just kind of make yeah. it work. Oh, no, I think the guilt-driven one is the one that's not fucked up and is the most normal. I think the one who actually can do it until he puts a bullet in his head or something. <laughs> there's that white knuckling it, or yeah. know, don't know to what level someone could. But there's a difference between. I don't even know if they're white knuckling it. I think they're just. No, just they're, they're just they're the they true believers. Works. They're the fanatics. Right. That's what I'm talking well, about. Well, even they they maybe just not very introspective. And what if there's a difference like between that, ego yeah. and spirit? I mean, the Bible's not full of those guys, right? Right. Like full Moses up. was a murderer. So was David, and an adulterer. Yeah. We we hold you know we hold there are Mark Driscoll to the standard of oh he was authoritarian well he didn't fucking kill anyone there are examples in the Bible of people that are, that are like what I'm talking about. he didn't sleep with another man's wife that we know and then of. send him on <laughs> so I'm gonna say that after every sentence so but then, but then there's <laughs> but like but, but that's a question I have is do we have that standard well, in, in the Christian world like hey we we have this Bible full of people who are jackasses and assholes. And super fucked up, and those are the people God used to lead His people. And then today we're like, no, you have to be perfect. Well, the answer is Joseph and Daniel. And, and I'd say the answer is spirit and ego too. No, like they they learned something. There's part of the story about them, and they seem to be extremely humble people. Right. And work well. But they're 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 oddballs of the Bible. Are they? They're the, the less human ones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I don't know. And, and but there's I, a redemption story. That's what I, that's what, I guess that's the thing. Is, I point is there somewhat, a redemption story? Joseph didn't write a book, by the way. Didn't get to write a book. David did. If you take it, Moses on, got to write books. Uh, Daniel wrote some book. A book. Well, did he write it? Actually, no, he was in, influential in a lot of them. <laughs> if you believe that they really wrote the books, mm-hmm. yeah, which <laughs> Moses most certainly probably didn't. But <laughs> but but that that's a sidebar. Uh-huh. Um, if you just take, say, what I was saying with George Barna's research about, you know, comparative Christians and non-Christians, just take that at face value. A cognitive dissonance for me is if there's any power in it, if there's really any power in it, how come Christians don't look different? Yeah. And the answer to that cognitive dissonance is what Derek just brought up. Well, these characters in the Bible, or no, Arthur, I'm sorry, brought up the point, these characters in the Bible aren't any better, so why should you expect them to be? Right. And that kind of calls the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but if so, God is super powerful, why aren't his... Sociological changes in behavior measurable. What's I mean, I'm, I'm a scientific, how would you measure it? Yeah. I'm a scientifically minded person. If the standard God gives is to stay married, why do Christians struggle with divorce? Because yeah. we're human. Like, like <laughs> because that's science, the human science part. Should be the ego prove, part. Science should be able to prove God through the power of His Holy Spirit, right? If, if, if you make the hypothesis that the Holy Spirit is powerful and transforms people's lives, well, then we there get should into, be a measurable difference. They're not right. perfect. Then we get into certainty, right? We get into certainty addiction. But I think it'd be no, no, that, no. That, that's a question. Like, if no, it's I, a real power, it's measurable. I think. End of story. I think we should have one of these about the Holy Spirit and yeah, the fact be. that either. It's really shitty at leading the church, or uh, it's really bad at talking to people. Cognitive dissonance. Or it's 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 good at transforming people. <laughs> I would say that too. Or I would or, add that. Or we, or we, we broken. So maybe that's that's where it is that there's this. Don't listen to it. We're our own gods. So we have the you know that god complex, and it's. But it, like it was kind of. Maybe this is a, this is a belief that I have that needs to be explored. Is the understanding the Holy Spirit was supposed to lead the church, like that was what we, he was imparting, you know, well, in Pentecost to lead the church, right. and and uh, it sure isn't working very well. Well, it's because we are we get, we, we, we all like want a, our way, like and we want our certainty, <laughs> and we want our systems. And then the church started breaking. <laughs> right. Well, we want our systems, and we want our institutions, and we want our thing, and that's that's where our ego comes in. I like Paul Young's definition of God. Paul Young would say that God is a unbreakable relationship of three, as um, other-centered, self-giving love. That's what God is. That's who God is. God is love in relationship and if there isn't the element of brokenness or fucked upness in the world that that whole thing doesn't work the fact that we still can love each other um, is miraculous to me mm. in, the, in the sense of just ego I mean we're, we're I, I believe evolutionary right without the spirit we're just we'll kill each other we're like we're just animals that who, who have evolved into 
you know, savage creatures wanting our own way. Now, evolution can explain a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that too. But I also believe that there, the spirit, is very hard to explain or put in a box or say that you can't measure it. Find there is people that would say that they can measure it, though. <laughs> there is science. There is science around this that you can measure love, that it has a vibration and sure. that it's measurable. As you get some of these yogis and some of these guys are higher in consciousness, they would say, and and you put them on some meter and they can measure their level of, I don't know, consciousness or something, a, a scientific explanation of spirit for you, for the certainty people out there. I don't know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Measuring of, of consciousness as a as a scientific meter that some people have a lower vibration and some people have a higher vibration. Like Deepak Chopra stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to uh, also say that there's people who are listening to this that may think of scripture, and I've had some of these conversations recently where people want to. Well, scripture says, you guys. Like, you can't just do this punk theology thing because, and here's something that was a little triggery, um, a conversation that, that, that we listened to um, where a guy was saying that we need to steward our authority wisely because we all have some kind of authority as believers and if we're going to bring this to a public um, place where other souls are going to hear it, <laughs> then, then we have to steward our, our authority or whatever. Um, the Bible has been translated in the English language over a hundred times. Um, there's over 33,000 denominations of Christianity. Uh, we're not agreeing on these things. You, the guy who says, uh, biblically, is it biblical? Is it biblical, Chuck? You know, that guy. Um, there was somebody who wanted to do some things on a, on a, a Facebook site that I had, and, and it has a, a biblical is in the name of his ministry. He wanted to know if he could post on there, and I, and I, I said to the organization, I said, no, I wouldn't be comfortable with that, just because biblically means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, so, how do you guys mesh with that? Like, what would with the word <laughs> when the guy says biblically, but it's not biblical, John. How would you how would you answer that? <laughs> Who's in, whose interpretation? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yes. Well, there, there's a lot. There's some things that you could say that are part of the story that that are. I mean, I could say my where I am with because you're the orthodox guy, so I'll well, ask the orthodox guy that goes to the orthodox. Well, so you're so, probably the most religious as far as oh yeah, super religious. <laughs> my, I don't know. <laughs> My <laughs> my explorations took me to the Eastern Orthodox Church because the Bible, ultimately, I concluded, has to be seen as not the whole but a part of a greater tradition, the yeah. tradition that gave it to you. Um, and so that's where I think it makes the most sense is interpreted within that tradition. They're the ones that gave it to you. They're the ones that have, you know, have 20 centuries of opining and theologizing about it, doesn't that make the most sense to... It's, it, the Bible was never meant to stand on its own. It was always meant to be read as part of tradition. Yeah. So that's where I went with it. It wasn't printed by the uh, King James no, guy in some no, printing press? No, but. it wasn't the printing press. It wasn't Luther. A couple hundred years ago? It wasn't Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> it wasn't Tyndale. But... <laughs> but uh, but that's where I went with it. Now, now to, to be fair, I don't... That doesn't mean that I always agree with it, or it doesn't bristle up against me. I'm just saying that's mm-hmm. that's where I think it makes the most sense. Right. Uh, so biblical, um, again, like you're saying, it, it it's a loaded word. You can use the Bible to justify all kinds of things, and most certainly throughout history, people have yeah. everything from uh, polygamy to slavery to the Inquisitions. All can be justified biblically because, I mean, the Bible. I think the Bible without tradition to guide it is like a Rorschach test. You know? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, it's a loaded word. I think what they mean when they say biblical is biblical by my uh, 21st century Protestant evangelical post-enlightenment faith construct, my my American eyes. Yeah. You're saying you have to submit to the culture that I understand. Yeah. And, and grew up with. Yeah. And why won't you submit to this culture? Yeah, that's what people are saying when they're saying biblical, right? right? Yeah. 
But that, that that's a trigger word for me, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why. <laughs> Is it, there's this. I think I sent you that. There's this funny chart where people were, you know, going off about gay marriage and biblical marriage, and it was this chart that showed what biblical marriage was. Everything from concubines to <laughs> incest to incest <laughs> to like marrying a slave from like you know people you conquered yeah. and after her head shaved. And, like, I heard one where biblical. Paul wrote right? in on a on triumph or something like that. Well, Paul had a motorcycle. See. <laughs> he wrote in trying. And I'm not like like you know, I, I don't want to sound like a like an extreme relativist, but I'm just saying that people should check A interpretation and, and B the lens in which they're looking at things because the Bible doesn't speak for itself. There's always interpretation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Yeah. Why'd you ask me that? Because <laughs> you're orthodox. Oh, yeah. Because you're, you're a freak that doesn't believe in big. <laughs> well, I think orthodox... I'm, I'm, I like orthodox theology myself because yeah. it goes it goes into it the goes mystery. It goes into the mystery and yeah. the love. And, yeah. and the tradition is, is, is made to engage people in that dance and, and connecting with that. And some of that is, is on an aesthetic and in a sensory level of experiential worship in sacred right. space. I find that I need that. I, I find that that is just where I am and that that stirs your effect stirs me. Yeah. Um, it, it involves like a uh, an element of transcendence for me. But but again though, I mean it, this isn't just me talking. I mean just study history. It the Bible was never meant to be read apart from tradition. It just wasn't. Um, and you know, your, your Bible's a fourth-century encyclopedia of, of letters and, and books and stories. Well, what did the early church do the first three, four centuries of Christianity before the canon was finalized? What protected the church from heresies and, and from different sorts of oppressions? Was it the Bible? Yeah. I mean, sure, there were things circulating around, but, but tradition guided that and guided that assembly of those books. So. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that's where I landed anyway. Yeah. So, or was it the flow? You know, that kept it together, that <laughs> kept it going. Yeah, it, it's weird that the church is still the oldest. Um, if you talk about, I think it was our, our friend Paul who used to come to these. He would he would tell he said that the brought up the fact that the the church is the oldest um, system or institution on the planet as far as human beings that got together and created an organization that still exists today, which I think is interesting as well. Um, I still believe in the church to a certain degree. You know, I, I do believe, um, I think it uh, uh, it wasn't those guys at AC3, did God use that church to 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 meet me at a place where I was, I didn't have anyone else to talk to, and I couldn't afford a real counselor. So I ended up in a, a pastor's office, and those guys were patient enough to uh, put out enough breadcrumbs to keep me trying to follow what what is what is truth and beauty, I guess. Yeah. You know? I think it's easy. Maybe life isn't that bad. It's easy to be a critic. Yeah, it is mm. easy to be a critic. And exactly. Not to say that there... I don't want this to be a critic right. thing either. Right. Yeah. Not to say that there isn't room to criticize. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to be critical. Sure. You need to... But if that's all you're doing, you know, and if, you, if you're choosing to only see the negatives, yeah, um, you know, I don't even know if that's not really honest. Um, and I think there are things that the church can do that just don't really occur outside of it. And there are benefits to that. Uh, but hand in hand go some pretty shitty things. And so, and that's kind of where I come... John always teases me about being a pragmatist. <laughs> is I'm like I'm just expecting the shit and I'm expecting the good things, and I'm not I'm not trying to be idealistic about it. I'm not trying to, you know, say I'm I have to put myself in the position where there's no shit because I don't believe that that exists. Right. Um, is there less shittiness in some places though? I don't know if less shitty is the is the term I would use. I'd say <laughs> maybe shitty. I'm more tolerable. Shit, I'm more tolerable to. Okay. There's there's shit I deal with better than other shit. Right. So. And that will that will be the next uh, episode too. The next discussion that we have will be on your shit. You probably uh, say is, shit about a thousand times. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and uh, uh, going into the realm of healing and uh, unpacking your shit or dealing with your shit. So we're gonna 
we're going to do a podcast on that next. But I thought a, a good way to end this thing out, uh, closing, in closing. Right before um, you do that, can I yes. expand on the dealing with your shit question and add another question? To sure, sure. And that will expand into next week. So Arthur is going to stir some cognitive dissonance, which we will solve on the next episode. And he's or won't punk theology. Or won't solve it. Exactly. Or not. Stir the shit. So one of the things we started talking about today was about how we get something out of this group of men <coughs> saying things that sometimes can be said, particularly in a church construct, whether it's a small group yeah. or whatever. In fact, my critique would be that churches are, in the at least my experience in the United States and the ones I've been to, are incapable of really handling the really deep tragedies people go through. They're primarily filled with wounded people that are barely keeping their shit together, and they like to be around other people who are barely keeping their shit together so that they can do that together. Uh And when somebody comes out that is really not keeping their shit together, a lot of times I've witnessed the church is not a safe place for that. It's not a good place for that. The people there can't handle it. They can't respond properly. When that they, person says, I want to grow or I want to be free. And they ostracize those people yeah. who are struggling yeah. because they can barely keep their shit together. Right. I don't. And, and, I'm, and, I'm and, drowning and you just threw me a friggin' rock. Hmm. Like, uh-huh. yeah, I can't. <laughs> I'm barely keeping my head up going, brother. I can't be associated with this person, which is the feeling. Right. And so is the church supposed to be a place that can handle that? Right. Or is the reality of the world and the church by design to be for all those people who are barely buoyant and they can't handle the drowners. I think right. the way you put it is is uh, the church is historically a good place for people that are dealing with moderate shit and cannot handle the people that have heavy shit. Yes. That are, yeah. And you said, isn't that true of human institutions or, in general. or people in, in general? general. Has, yeah. Have there ever been a society that could deal with the heavy? But shit? you claim the church is well, a human institution, right? <laughs> Would I claim that? There is. All it, of you? No. Your purse. It's horribly human. That's where your heavy shit comes out. And the, that's still the church. And, and I think that's where we had engaged that idea is there are examples, but in mass, it's not very effective. Right. Like there are people, I'd say maybe one in a hundred or maybe one in a thousand people are able to get treated for their heavy shit. And this was supposed to be a question for them. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut this down. Yeah, right? yeah. Edit this down. You've got plenty of material. <laughs> We've got to put our Jesus face on when we walk through the doors of the church. Right. Because if we recognize them outside the church and they don't have their Jesus face on, we're not going to recognize them. Well, it's, it's like if your wife has a baby or, or you need child care for a date. Little night. fingers like, like, in the air. I, I can bring you a casserole or I can watch your kid so you can go out to a job interview or a date night. But if your marriage is falling apart or you your know, spouse has cancer, your spouse has cancer, child care. Yeah, it's like, whoa. <laughs> you know, I love you. Just a I'm, praying, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is code speak. Which is code speak for I'm uncomfortable to sit here with you and be present with you. In the, in, right. Uh, or even like what I was saying is my shit is too heavy right now to even think of kid taking on somebody else's shit. Right. right. Like, so in closing, I wanted to kind of go around and maybe, because, again, this not being a critique fest or a, a bitch fest or, or, or something like that, but, but maybe to be vulnerable a little bit and to just say what, what gets you through the next 24 hours as a, as a person. Because that's a little bit vulnerable, right? Like, it's easy to say those people are drowning, but what is keeping me afloat? Uh, I'll start. I guess that my my faith is just that I, I'm taking days today in 24-hour increments. That's you could throw that back to a recovery thing, but that really is how I I tend to live my life, and I I just want to love deeper and I want to be free. I think freedom is the thing that I'm I'm ultimately pursuing, and I'll continue to pursue it until the day I die, and that. Uh, that gets me through the next 24 hours that I feel like 
I'm moving one step closer to freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever that looks like. I don't have a, a great definition for that, and that's okay. But that gets me through today. So, anybody else wants to go, that's, what, that's all I got for... Uh, you can critique that down all you want and blog about it. I don't know. But I don't feel like there's... I, I, go, the next I try to go through hard. life, especially lately, with a great sense of gratitude. And, yeah. And I don't know if I think along those lines of, like, I'm getting through it. I always... I mean, I have issues and struggles, and I can unpack my story or whatever. And, uh-huh. and you know, some of you guys have had it worse than I ever have. But, I mean, just circumstantially... Speaking, I always, I mean, I'm not the guy you feel sorry for. I'm just not, you know, and I have a lot of gratitude for that. Sometimes there's this fatalistic part of me that, wait, you know, gosh, is the other shoe going to drop? You know, like there's, I don't know what that is. It's just kind of that fear of, you know, oh no, what's going to happen? It's too good. But it's just gratitude for the people in my life, my my wife, my kids, my friends, you guys. Yeah. so that's not getting through anything. It's living. Yeah, I had that today, too, just driving around when the sun was out earlier today. It was like, I don't get paid much to be an Uber and Lyft driver, but I had a sense of gratitude going, like, I get to just drive around, <laughs> and people pay me to do that, which was a pretty cool like, uh, gratitude kind of thing that came through me today as well. So, I don't know, you just... Gratitude. Me. Yeah, I sing with John one. on yeah. that a lot, too, and that, honestly, my life right now is pretty good. It's uh-huh. nice, it's pleasant, and I don't even think I'm in a position where I could answer that question of what gets me through the next 24 hours, because right now it's easy. Uh-huh. And uh, I might have to be in a place again where things are really shitty to figure out what the answer to that is. So right. I don't know that I would even have an answer. But you're, that, you're, you're here, <laughs> so right. there's something to that. We're doing a podcast called Punk Theology. There's something in you that said, hey, yeah, you guys come on over and let's... let's this thing what what part of you did that I guess maybe we'll go back into that well I it's kind of cheery yeah I don't know mostly this is incredibly enjoyable you like I enjoy all these people <laughs> yeah, right. um, I I love talking about this type of stuff I think it's important it may be healthy for people to realize that there are groups where you can just express your opinion and have a completely different yeah. opinion from somebody you. across from you and, and that person still loves you yeah and, and you can throw out some crazy shit ideas and people will help you unpack it but not necessarily go you know John and I talk about uh, white judging each other instead of <laughs> like it's like a little white lie like we like white judge each other a little bit like well that's a little bit messed up but like not like you're going to fucking hell I have not anything to do with you and you're yeah. ruining my family you're not as bad as him <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little bit of white well, judging that goes we gotta out. run with white judging I love white, white judging that's so funny <laughs> well, it, but, but I feel like you're not the spokesperson from Northern Idaho. <laughs> For white judge, that's true. That's the yeah, I yeah. get really well. I mean, but I mean, if anybody knows how to white judge, right? It should be me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a whole other topic, right there. We talk about guilting. That's another thing that, that you know. There's not just guilt that's put on us from the church. There's also guilt that's put on us from from culture and from, oh, yeah. you know the secular guilt that we're all white men. You know, that's that mm-hmm. white, white privilege. You know, there's that. <laughs> we should feel guilty about that because our lives are, are going Wait, that was fairly my well. answer. <laughs> I get through the next day because of white privilege. <laughs> there you go. See? Exactly. And, and I already take it back for even belittling that topic because I have a certain level of sensitivity to it. Yeah. Um, that is true, though. Yeah. But um, we don't. I, I get through the day because I enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Um I enjoyed life, and I think, honestly, that's what got me through the day when I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, the Christian answers, you know, God gets me through it, but even even through my sh- shittiest years, God didn't get me through every day. I got through every day because I liked life, and I wanted to face the challenges. I wanted to learn more. I am a sponge for learning, and every day I find something to read and learn about. Yeah. I love my family. I love getting together with you guys. I I just love life. And even even through half a decade almost of almost constant misery, I remembered life before that. I wasn't I wasn't gonna opt out. For me I think it would be being better what did I learn from today to make me better tomorrow? 
know that I'm not who I was a week ago. I'm not who I was yesterday. Through the, the shit that happens, what can I glean from that to make me better? And if that better is more empathetic, which I think is what it is, it gives me more, um, I don't know what the word would be, uh, empathy for those that are struggling in that area of, fuck it, I'm done. Well, I hit that point, but now I'm like, no, I'm not. Today, what, did, what, what happened today that makes me better for tomorrow? Expectations of tomorrow. Like, and it is loving where I am. It's not where I'd like to be, but at least I'm not where I could be. That's an interesting conversation that Derek and I have had. It goes with that dealing with your shit conversation. Is, is, um, is, and I, I've, I'm in process on it, and I'm struggling with it myself, mm-hmm. but you mentioned being better. Is progress really a good goal? Should we even try yeah. to progress? That's an interesting question. What does progress even mean? What does that even mean? Right. I like how you equate it to empathy. I think that's beautiful. And if you were to progress in anything, empathy is probably the greatest virtue I can think of. And that's beautiful. But it's one of those differences between being a Christian and being a Jesus follower. Because <laughs> that's sort of a, a, a thing that Jesus would do is, is empathize. And, and when all the religious elites are going, why are you hanging out with those people? You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Real quick, I want to piggyback on something Derek said. I don't want to monopolize too much time in closing, but it's that idea of having these conversations and people, whoever listens to it, I think it's that idea of giving people permission, for lack of a better word, to run with your thoughts, think your thoughts, yeah, see community, them out loud. see community, them, yeah. you know, and just giving people permission to, to do that where I don't know if a lot of people do. And permission, not like you're an authority figure bestowing permission on somebody, but just like in a, you know, psychological to say freedom. To say, yeah, just yeah. hey. There is something to that, that fermentation of all the shit that is inside of us <laughs> that we never talk about with anybody. Right. I think that's really unhealthy. And it, I mean, there's psychology today articles <laughs> on all of the, you know, the secrets, even secrets, the secrets we keep sit in us and, and cause all sorts of... Well, it saddens me that there's not... Shit. People don't feel safe. I mean, I feel safe in this group. I've been in positions, I've been in situations where I've, I've confessed uh, issues and was immediately judged and criticized for that, and it, like, got my hand slapped, and I pulled back, and I, to this day, that relationship is not what it was. Mm-hmm. Because I felt... And that's what hurts me and saddens me is that guys, like Arthur, you can't. That you, there's guys out there that I know in the church that are struggling with that same shit, but they don't feel safe to express it, so they have to internalize it, and they have to, you know, is every day an issue of today I'm going to remain faithful to my wife. To even confess that is scary shit. And if you're in a position where, well, why not? Are you not praying? Are you a Christian? Yeah. No, no. Lord have mercy. Yeah, that that's the thing that saddens me. I guess that's the empathy I have, and I want more of that. Is for the guys that that don't feel the freedom to be honest, even to themselves. Yeah, Chuck, absolutely. Chuck, you get the last word. Close us out. No, Bring, close, land so close us out. We hand the plane. Prayer. Hand it over. Be close us in prayer, so, Chuck. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. I, I'm hoping it's not the plane you know that landed on uh, Airport Road the other day. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> died, right? Well, no. Did you see the video? <laughs> the way from it's it. pretty cool. It's got a light bulb. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Forced landing. For those who are, <laughs> yeah, who and, that, and that, well, that's yeah, that's an airplane landed on a street, uh, a city street here in the in the, this area. Everybody, and everyone lived. Uncle Tito. And yeah, Hannah, no one was killed. He was a couple of cars gone. He was from fire. Oregon and was actually heading back to Oregon when he took well, off. Well, and, and yeah. so that's that's where I'm at though. Is that's uh, pretty punk, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I took off and I had to perform an emergency landing, and I'm just excited for what's going to come next. And then Arthur, you know burst my fucking bubble whenever he was like, well, what happens if there's nothing next? It's like, well, shit. 
<laughs> Fuck you, you know? It's like, but, that's, but then it comes, but then it comes, but then it comes back. Yes, and we are Hallelujah. But then it comes back around. It's like, well, what if? Yeah, you're right. What if there is nothing else? It's, do, do I have to be? I, well, I have to be okay with that. But it's still there's there's got to be something next after this, and then after that there's something, and I just I don't know what it is. You know, if it's just another fucking cave, you know, like we talked about last week. You know, it's well, then it's just another cave. Um, <laughs> the allegory of the cave. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm just excited for what's next. You know, working through all this crap. And yeah. So, the, 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 thanks, man. Wasn't working. So. Yeah. So I'm sorry to cut you off. Did you, you, you can edit that out. No. Be <laughs> 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 probably not that much editing. That's right. <laughs> it's all it kind of funky. Oh man. And we do not have big microphones in front of us with uh, shot guards and uh, pee filters or whatever. <laughs> We're just sitting in front of my little Sony device, which actually sounds okay. There is a, uh, a patron or Patreon. Oh, they spell it funny. These internet companies with the funny names. There's an account for that if you'd like to support this show as it, uh, you know, we're accepting donations to keep this thing. To get us some microphones. <laughs> yeah, to get us some microphones. <laughs> Pitch in to get us some microphones. No, it does cost money. There is uh, hosting fees and stuff like that. We're doing this on SoundCloud, which uh, is, is fairly expensive, but it's, it's a great resource. SoundCloud is awesome. Uh, Punk Theology. Dot com, which by the time uh, this is edited and put online, you will be able to see the website. And I'll have a, somewhat of a website up, and that'll have a link to the Patreon account. How do you pronounce it? Patron, Patreon. Patreon. I don't know. Patreon. Anyway, so. I'm an engineer. <laughs> so, like there's that. That's right. And next week, we will be talking about dealing with our shit. So, again, this is a. Uh, Russia, uh, punk theology. Tell your friends. I don't know, or don't tell your friends. Don't tell your friends. You don't want to. You're, you don't want your Christian friends. Don't tell your mom. Don't tell your mom. Yeah. Not make good water cooler. Just you know, burn it to a CD, slide it under your pastor's door. His office. This is what people really think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So uh, thanks for listening, and bye.